At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is the Nightcap with Tim Murray and Super Bowl champion Sean King on VSIN, the sports betting network. of the nightcap here on VEASAN alongside Adam Burke. I am Tim Murray, and it is time to continue our summer condition. I need it after a week off, a lot of beers at the beach, Adam. I need to get a little conditioning in, uh, and uh, no better team to talk about because they are the betting favorite to win the Super Bowl this year, the Buffalo Bills, and we head to upstate New York. I believe St. John Fisher University is where we find our next guest, Sal Capaccio at Sal Sports, uh, Bills beat and sideline reporter. Also check out his show on WGR 550 in Buffalo every uh, morning, 10 to noon Eastern. Sal, appreciate you uh, jumping on with us. Um, You know, when you look at this roster, uh, obviously the heartbreak last year to the Chiefs with 13 seconds to go is, I'm sure, a big talking point. Would you say the biggest question heading into this year is the life for Josh Allen without Brian Dable? This will be the first time in his career he has not had Brian Dable as his offensive coordinator. Yes, I would say that is the biggest question going into the year, having a first-time play caller, a first-time offensive coordinator, Josh Allen's um, new offensive coordinator for, for the first time in his career, as you mentioned. I think that, you know, People are pretty confident because it is a man, Ken Dorsey, who's been Josh's quarterback's coach for the last three years. Um, they elevated him uh, for intentionally, you know, because they didn't want to change a lot of the offense. It wasn't like they didn't want to go outside the organization. They didn't have to, and they didn't have to. They had somebody who was already here. They can keep everything really consistent. Josh gave him his endor- their endorsement, the endorsement for Ken Dorsey. He wanted him. So I think that people are comfortable with it, but it doesn't mean it's going to work, right? I mean, you never know. There's, there's still all that the question of as a first time play caller is all that going to work. But I think, you know, a short of injury, that would be the one thing that I could see could kind of have this thing kind of go off the rails a little bit, especially early in the season, if anything does. Well, and the curiosity I have, Sal is okay. The bills went out and were clearly pretty aggressive with the running back position. You don't spend a second round pick on a running back. If, if you're, you know, you're not going to stash him. You're going to utilize him quite a bit. And Devin Singletary has had, you know, some some really good years um, there in Buffalo. You spent a third round pick not that long ago on Zach Moss. How do you see 
the running back situation playing out this year with the Bills? James Cook is here to be a pass-catching running back. He's not really going to eat into Devin Singletary's carries too much. I mean, that might happen a year from now when Devin Singletary's rookie contract is up and, you know, maybe he moves on or something. Um, and I'm sure that James Cook is still going to get his fair share of carries this year, but you know, you're talking about a guy who's not even 200 pounds. He's not going to be running the ball between the tackles much. He's really more of a slot receiver at this point than he is, you know, in his rookie year in the NFL. He runs great routes. Um, he has incredible hands. They're going to use him in mostly passing situations. This is still Devin Singletary's backfield. In fact, I'll even go as far as to say, I don't think that the drafting of James Cook was an indictment on Devin Singletary. I think it was an endorsement of mm. Devin Singletary. They didn't go out and get somebody to compete with him. They got somebody to compliment him more than anything. And let's remember, people forget, before that happened, the Bills agreed to terms with J.D. McKissick. He yep. was their guy. They were going to bring J.D. McKissick in. And as we know, J.D. McKissick isn't going to be a running back. He's going to be a pass catcher, which is what he is really, as a running back. And because he then flipped and went back to Washington, that's why the Bills went out and got a guy like James Cook. So this is still going to be mainly Devin Singletary's backfield, maybe even more so than it has been over the last three years. So I want to ask you about the Bills' schedule here, because last year they played, by some metrics, the easiest schedule in the NFL. This year, they start with back-to-back division winners, including the reigning Super Bowl champion Rams, and then they take on the Titans in Week 2. They take on a Baltimore team in Week 4 that Tim and I are both very high on, kind of like them to win the AFC North this year, and then another division champion in Kansas City the week right before their Week 7 bye. So these first six games look pretty daunting for the Bills. How do you think they'll manage the early part of this schedule? Yeah, no doubt about it, right? I mean, um, you look at it, they have the heavyweights of the NFL, not just the AFC on their schedule. I agree about, about Baltimore, by the way, with you guys. I, I really like their chances this year. Um, but look, I mean, the Bills, to me, have the best roster in the NFL. I mean, they are the they are the Super Bowl favorites in Vegas for a reason. That's not just, you know, Sal Capaccio beat reporter saying that. That's literally <laughs> for the betting odds saying that, right? That they are the Super Bowl favorites because they have the best roster. They have Josh Allen. They have a really good coaching staff. They have a very good front office. So, I, you know, I, I think anything, if they were through the first seven games, I think it is when they play Green Bay in their seventh game, a Sunday night game in Buffalo on the night before Halloween, you know, they go five and two in those games. I think that's a win. That's a real good win. Do you look at the next part of the schedule guys? Very winnable over the next several weeks. You know, they, the Bills have great opportunity. So even four and three keeps them afloat. Remember Kansas city didn't have a very good record over the first, what, six, seven weeks of last year. They were struggling a bit. They still came on and had a really tremendous season, obviously. So, you know, the, the bills, I think they'll be okay. It doesn't mean they're going to win all those games. And again, with Ken Dorsey, his first time play caller, maybe some challenges mixed in there. The one thing that is actually in the Bills' favor in the schedule, though, guys, you think about this. Think of all of the great moves that these AFC West teams made with, you know, obviously in, in, with the Chargers, with Bosa and Mack now, and they have a great team there, and Derwin James coming back and all those, and Justin Herbert. Look what the Raiders did with Devontae Adams, and obviously look what Denver did with um, Russell Wilson. The Bills don't play any of them. They play Kansas City. That's it. All those other teams. Baltimore has to play all those teams. The Pittsburgh has to play all those teams. The North has to play those teams. The Bills catch a break, I think. To me, the West is going to cannibalize itself. They're all going to play each other, and they're going to beat each other when the Bills in their division have six games against the Patriots, the Dolphins, and the Jets. Yeah, as we talked to Sal Capaccio from uh, WGR 550 in Buffalo, sideline reporter as well. You know, another thing that was pointed out by Warren Sharp was the number one team with rest advantage this year, the Buffalo Bills, plus 12, which is uh, something that's overlooked uh, quite a bit. But, uh, you know, they don't, you know, 
have a rest disadvantage with a team coming off a bye week. We can get into a little bit more, a little bit later. Uh, Von Miller early returns. I know you guys have just you know camp has just started, um, but he's a you know Super Bowl champion. Obviously, uh, he's a Super Bowl MVP. Uh, what what are your expectations? A massive deal handed out to Von Miller to to come in and be part of that front there for Buffalo. Well, let's go back to the way you guys started this conversation with bringing up 13 seconds. Uh, the Buffalo Bills believe that Von Miller's on the team. That doesn't happen. The 13 seconds that he gets to Patrick Mahomes on one of those plays. They they brought him in to close out the games. Uh, they brought him in to be the guy that can seal up the deal when they need it most. Um, you know, the Bills have a philosophy of really kind of rotating defensive players, defensive linemen, defensive ends. If you get to 65% snaps on this team, that's a lot under Sean McDermott. No one really does that. Von Miller's used to playing 90%. So something's got to give there, but he's not going to be on the field for 90% of the snaps. I can tell you that here in Buffalo, but he's going to be on the field a lot. So I think to me more than most guys are under a Sean McDermott defense, but he's really going to be here to close out games, to be there in critical situations. You know, at his age, funny thing is people talk about his age and he got this long contract. Look, I did some research. Obviously Buffalo is used to, you know, we, we know who Bruce Smith is. You guys know who Bruce Smith is. Sure. He played in Buffalo for a long time. At age 33 and beyond, which is what Von Miller is, Bruce Smith had 73 and a half sacks in his career. <laughs> at age 33 and beyond, Reggie White had 61 sacks in his career. And at age 33 and beyond, um, Julius Peppers had 48 sacks in his career. Von Miller is still a young man for that position for how high of a, a caliber athlete he is. Peyton Manning once called him the best athlete he ever played with. And I say, if any Bills fan is worried about his age, they should not be at all. This is a guy to me that can still get double-digit sacks for the next several years. So sticking with that theme of the defense, Tredavious White coming back off the torn ACL, what's, you know, the, what's the progress that he's making here in camp, and what do the contingency plans look like? You know, it's a great question because we don't know. The Bills have never given a timeline on that, right? I mean, they've always, and, and for good reason. You know, if you say, oh, he's going to be ready by a certain time, and he's not, then there's a lot of questions. They've always left it, left it open-ended just to say that, you know, he's progressing. And I will tell you guys, he's, He's on the pup list. He hasn't practiced, but he's out there with trainers every day. We see him doing lots of different exercises, jumping up and down, doing high skips and stretching. And to me, to the naked eye, it looks like he can go out and play football right now. But obviously that's not the case. We don't know when their timeline is for him from the doctors, from the trainers, from the team to say when he should be out there. I mean, by the time we get to the first preseason game next week, second preseason game, at some point, he's probably going to have to practice to be ready for week one against the LA Rams, obviously, which is a challenge in its own right. So in the meantime, I think that's also a big reason why they went out and their first round pick was Kyrie Elam of, mm -hmm. of Florida. You know, he's a guy that they're going to expect to really commit and contribute right away. He's a guy that has been starting in that spot with Tredavious out and the other player opposite him is Dane Jackson. Look, when Trey went out at the end of last year, remember it was Thanksgiving night, he tore his ACL. The next, you know, month or so until that playoff game in Kansas City, the secondary was still really good. And Dane Jackson and Levi Wallace, who's gone now, they really did a great job at corner. They have a lot of confidence in Dane Jackson. He's a good player. He's a late-round pick. He's in his third year now in the system. The question actually will be, when Tredavious comes back, who starts opposite him? Is it Kyrie Elam? It eventually will be, but will it be right away? Will it be Dane Jackson? But in the meantime, Dane Jackson, I mean, so, um, uh, Kyrie Elam's got to step up, guys. He's a rookie. He's going to have to step up. He's going to have to play a prominent role. And we all know they have two all-pro safeties behind them, and Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer. And, those guys just settle everything down back there, regardless of who's playing. All right, Sal, minute to go. Betting favorite to win the Super Bowl, Buffalo Bills. Betting favorite to win the MVP, Josh Allen. One, both, none happened this year. Final minute. 
I'm going to probably pick the Bills to win the Super Bowl when I do my final predictions before the season. I think they are the best team in the NFL. Um, I think that they've learned a lot of lessons from the last few years. I think they have a, a really good young team, the best roster in the league. Injuries are always a factor. Josh, you know what? He has a chance at it. But I think a guy like Justin Herbert in Kansas City, I mean, sorry, in uh, L.A. has maybe a better shot because maybe they're not going to win as many games as the Bills and have some leads like the Bills will have. and They'll have to fight a little bit more in the AFC West and maybe he'll put up bigger numbers. And I think that's, at the end of the day, what matters most for that for that award. Sal, appreciate it and uh, enjoy camp. Uh, I'm sure those that Bills Mafia is pretty fired up about 2022. They are very fired up, and uh, football season's back, and I'm fired up, too. <laughs> there he is, Sal Capaccio, at Sal Sports on Twitter. That's Adam Burke. I'm Tim Murray. Much more on the Buffalo Bills coming up as we continue our summer conditioning here on the Nightcap. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is the Nightcap on VSN, the Sports Betting Network. Ice cold beers, cold hard cash. Join the action on the pitch with the Heineken 2022 Soccer Prediction Challenge. Compete in 20 free to play pools this season for your shot at a share of $100,000 in total cash prizes. Head to DraftKings.com slash Heineken. Now to start your run at victory. Heineken, beer made better. 21 and over only. Terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Drink responsibly. Alongside Adam Burke, who is uh, typing away as we speak, updating the VEASAN.com live trade deadline blog uh i am tim murray we had a couple trades uh that have gone down nothing too uh nothing too f- exciting but uh you know worth noting um we have uh, a swap of pitchers between two teams who are certainly going to be in the playoffs the braves and astros have shipped have swapped will smith for jake odorizzi so odorizzi goes to the astros will smith goes to the uh, sorry, Aldo Rizzi goes to the Braves. Will Smith goes to the uh, to the Astros. Uh, we have Matt Bush uh, getting traded to the Milwaukee Brewers from the Texas Rangers, and 
Am I missing one else? There's another one that just went down. Or are those the two that just went down? Those are the two just went down, although we got some more details about that Jose Quintana deal with the Cardinals where reliever Chris Stratton also going to St. Louis. And he's got an ERA well over five, but his peripherals look pretty good. 365 batting average on balls in play against. He will benefit greatly from St. Louis's defense. So he may be a pretty big relief weapon for the Cardinals here going forward. Uh, interesting to to get a bush in a Miller town up there in Milwaukee. <laughs> and there's no C in that name. No, right, there's so. not. Um, but no, Matt, it's not, but it wor- it, verbally it works oh, for the it, joke. It's tremendous. Um, Matt Bush, you know, goes in. He's been having a, a solid year out of the bullpen there for the Texas Rangers. Uh, 36 years old. What? Once upon a time, number one overall pick. Is that right? Yeah, once upon a time, number one overall pick. The 2004 Major League Baseball draft drafted as a shortstop back then, but <laughs> makes it as a pitcher here in 2016. Actually made his debut with a 248 ERA in 58 games. Yeah, not bad. Uh, 295. So he goes to Milwaukee, who of course has traded uh, Josh Hader. Uh, so you know, a couple, uh, a couple you know, interesting moves. What do you make? What do you make? Instant uh, in, uh, reaction to. Odorizzi for Will Smith trade uh, between two teams, two contenders. Well, this is kind of Houston's MO at the trade deadline. They basically rebuild their entire bullpen, and now they added Will Smith to the mix. Last year, they got Kendall Graveman, Rafael Montero. So that's just what the Astros do, and and I think a lot of teams may start to follow that blueprint of just going, you know what, we'll kind of go with what we've got in the bullpen, but when we know that we're contending, then we'll start making some trades, we'll start making some moves. Uh, but, you know, it's interesting here. We're after the 11 o'clock hour Eastern time, and we got deals rolling in. I don't <laughs> think that we'll get anything significant, yeah. but, you know, who knows? I mean, we still have that uh, that Juan Soto cloud looming over Major League Baseball. And, who, yeah, who knows uh, as his uh, maybe his final game tonight uh, in a Nationals loss because Patrick Corbin started. 7-3, uh, <laughs> to three, Mets beat the uh, Nationals tonight, but uh, Juan Soto hits a homer and reaches base four times in a losing effort, maybe his final uh, appearance as a Washington National. Josh Bell also maybe in a final appearance as a Washington National. Uh, one for four tonight. Uh, I would be surprised, Adam, if he is not dealt uh, by tomorrow's 6 p.m. trade deadline. Yeah, I would be too. Real quick, Aaron, our producer Aaron Oster in our ear. Uh, Robbie Grossman also traded from the Tigers to the Braves. Grossman, a depth outfielder, guy with a really good eye at the plate, walks quite a bit. The contact quality kind of comes and goes, but... He's a guy that you can use in a pinch, literally in a pinch hit appearance. The one thing I want to mention real quick about Odorizzi, though, um, fly ball guy now going from Minute Maid Park, which played as a very extreme pitcher's park early on in the year, has kind of leveled off now. But, you know, now he goes outdoors in Atlanta where it's hot, humid, ball carries a little bit better. Not entirely sure I love that fit for the Braves, but, you know, they did need some back of the rotation depth, a little bit of help there. They've had... You know, some guys that have kind of underperformed. They've had some injury issues with some of their prospects over the last couple of years. Uh, we'll see. Maybe they use him in a relief capacity. I don't know. But it certainly feels like they kind of got him to be a fifth starter and just sort of, you know, kind of eat some innings for them the rest of the way. And uh, one thing I'll note, this isn't a trade, but uh, a rumor out there. John Morosi saying that Noah Syndergaard trade becoming more likely Blue Jays, Phillies, and Braves involved in talks over the past 48 hours. Atlanta's deal for Jake Odorizzi, which we just mentioned, could certainly impact that uh, in Toronto involved there 
uh, Toronto ha- is involved uh, reportedly too. So something to keep an eye on. Noah Syndergaard could be on the move. The tough thing about a Syndergaard deal is that his market is kind of limited because I think he was 21 or $22 million for one year that he was signed for. So I don't know if the, if the Angels are going to eat some of that contract to kind of improve the quality of prospect that they get back. But that's a guy still owed about $6.5 million. Most of these starters owed much less than that. So that will probably hurt their return here. Uh, but you notice that the three teams that are interested, teams that are you know known for spending a little bit of money. Yeah. So we will uh, we will see as the trade deadline tomorrow, less than 24 hours away. As I look down Sports Center on here in the studio, and uh, obviously a Juan Soto uh, image goes across. So that is the big name, but still plenty of other names to be moved, expected to be moved uh, as today. I would say, still fair to say, biggest name, Josh Hader, all-star, arguably the best closer in the game. I don't know if you'd go that far, but certainly has the talent uh, to be there. He was moved to San Diego uh, earlier today. So more on the deadline as the show continues. But I I do want to get back to our summer conditioning as we are hitting on the the Buffalo Bills. The Bills are an interesting team because, you know, what is the way to bet them this year, uh, Adam, is, is the question, right? They have the shortest odds to win the Super Bowl. Josh Allen has the shortest odds to win MVP. Uh, they're, you know, massive favorites to win their division. You can go over their win total, but something that you pointed out, too, was the start of their season is very challenging. So as you see right there, win total at DraftKings, 11.5, juice to the over at minus 140. You go alt-win total at 12.5 to plus 175. Uh, if you think they'll miss the playoffs, that's a nice payday there at four to one. What do you think is the best way to bet the Buffalo Bills in 2022? So I think what I'm going to be looking to do is is to bet against them on a weekly basis because this is a team that, you know, as we talked about, I mean, you look at them, a season win total 11 and a half, favor to win the Super Bowl, Josh Allen favor to win the MVP. There's going to be a premium on their game spreads here throughout the course of the season. And last year, I mean, they could have been better. They could have been a lot better. They played a very weak schedule last season. They had some games that were very strange. You know, they had the uh, the weird play call at the goal line against Tennessee. Um, you know, they had the loss to Jacksonville, which kind of came out of nowhere. Yeah. You know, this is oh, a team that, in that game. They, they were very inconsistent from week to week. And now they go from playing a really bad schedule to effectively playing kind of a league average schedule here for this season. So, again, you, you talk about assimilating Von Miller into the defense. You know, Roger Saffold got into a car accident before training camp. He's still dealing with a rib injury. Tredavious White, you know, as we talked about, the Bills haven't really been forthcoming with with, uh, Tredavious White's rehab, his timeline, what their contingency plans are. So this may be a team where I kind of look to go against them from a spread standpoint and maybe play some overs while they sort of figure things out defensively because I think Ken Dorsey will sort of let Josh Allen do his thing over the first half of the season. But one other thing I think is worth mentioning here too is that late in the year when we started to see Josh Allen run a little bit more and then do the same thing in the playoffs, that added a different kind of dynamic element to their offense. They're not going to let him run around early in the schedule, take unnecessary hits, get hurt, all of that. So they may be, I don't want to call them a vanilla team, but I think that they may be a team that just has a hard time winning by margin early in the year. Well, when you look at week one, uh, they have now moved from a slight underdog to a slight favorite uh, in most books. Here at Circa, minus one. Uh, South Point here in, in Las Vegas, it's a pick. But most most spots are at one, one and a half for the Buffalo Bills. And I think the point that you bring up about the Bills here is, you know, that cornerback situation is, you know, Kyrie Elam, 
from all accounts, is supposed to be a pretty pretty good corner. But is he ready to be a starting cornerback week one Thursday night football against the defending champions? You know, is he going to be you know able to to slow down those you know top tier receivers? So I, I, you know, you look at the the back half of that secondary. It's arguably the best secondary or safety tandem in the NFL with Micah Hyde and, and Jordan Poyer, but. You might be having a a rookie out there in week one on the road. Not that, look, there's going to be plenty of Bills fans in Los Angeles. Rams, it's not a daunting environment, but still, road game, Thursday night football to start the season. I think that's going to be a challenging spot for for a a cornerback situation, especially if Tredarius White is not 100% healthy. Yeah, for sure. And and look, personally, from a selfish standpoint, I hope they win the game comfortably because then I can kind of enact this strategy that I'm talking about. If they look really good in week one, in that primetime spot against the reigning champs, then you know the perception that we already have of them just continues to add more helium. That's Ooh, my hope. I hope I, they look really I, good. I'm looking at it right now. Week two, Monday night football at home against Tennessee. Where Which is be- part of that big rest advantage you mentioned. Yes, they, they do have the best rest advantage in the entire NFL. More on the Buffalo Bills and what we expect in 2022 next here on DC. This is the Nightcap on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Keep it rolling here on the Nightcap on VSIN alongside Adam Burke sitting in for Sean King. I am Tim Murray. The trade deadline less than 24 hours away. Couple. Minor moves being uh, made so far tonight as uh, they keep filing in. The most recent, uh, was it Robbie Grossman? Was that the most recent deal to go down? Braves acquiring Grossman from the Tigers. So that is, the uh, I think, the most recent deal about 10 to 15 minutes ago happening there. So uh, we'll, keep, uh, we'll keep you updated once again. Uh, we got the live blog going. Adam is uh, feverishly <laughs> typing away while trying to co-host the show with me tonight. So he's a man of uh, of multi uh, multiple talents. Uh, we're going to talk to Mike Sando from The Athletic. Uh, he will join us in less than 15 minutes. We'll get his thoughts on the NFL. Uh, does he expect more games to be tacked on to the Deshaun Watson uh, suspension that we discussed earlier? So Mike Sando will join us. We'll also chat about his uh, his tears uh quarterback tears column which is always uh which is always a great uh read each and every offseason we'll talk some college football top of the hour too with uh with our guy mo uh from uh from the uh from Winbet. mo pearson will join us uh here in just a little bit but let's keep it going with the uh, buffalo bills uh summer conditioning so i i kind of like your 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 thought process of is there going to be time to fade the Buffalo Bills based off of um, you know just overinflation? They're the favorites. They've got, as Sal Capaccio mentioned, arguably the best roster in football. Is there going to be times to to buy low or so? Excuse me, sell high on a team like the Buffalo Bills? Maybe a Week Two game against the Tennessee Titans a Monday nighter uh, where they'll be north of a touchdown favorite against Tennessee, especially if they come off a win uh, against the Los Angeles Rams in a, in a high profile spite. So that is going to be 
something really interesting to 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 key in on offensively when you look at Josh Allen you know rushing yards you mentioned you know over under sitting at 550 and a half uh, at DraftKings for the season win total or for the for the season total what what are your expectations for Josh Allen this year favored to win MVP I look I, I'm not betting 7-1 seven, 7-1 one, seven one for him to win MVP no, neither am I. I again, I you know, you you look at this schedule, right? And again, they go from one of the easiest schedules in the NFL to playing kind of a league average schedule. Mm-hmm. So my thought process is Josh Allen's probably gonna have to throw a little bit more, you know, because they may be trailing in some more games as opposed to what they did last season. Last year he throws for four thousand four hundred and seven yards. His passing yards prop this year, forty four hundred and a half. I think I would look over that because again, I think from a volume standpoint. He probably has to throw a little bit more. He'll be throwing more in the fourth quarter. And I think that that'll lead him to running a little bit less. And I think when you look at this rushing yards prop at 550 and a half, he ran for 763 yards last year. So that's a pretty big market adjustment, over 200 yards lower with the line as opposed to his total from last year. And maybe that speaks to what Sal was talking about with James Cook being brought in to be a receiving running back. Maybe they'll just start throwing a little bit more as an extension of the running game. You'll get those backs a little bit more involved where Singletary had 40 catches last year, Moss had 23. Maybe all of a sudden, instead of Josh Allen running, it's, hey, dump it off to this stable of backs that we have, and he'll pick up some cheap passing yards that way. So I think the passing yards over prop is something I would look at. And again, I think maybe the low rushing yards prop kind of speaks to how this offense may shift a little bit under Ken Dorsey. You know, I want to go back to your initial thought of the Bills might be a team to fade on a week-to-week basis. And you mentioned that schedule to start the year, but something that Sal alluded to was, yes, it's it's rather challenging early on, but look at the back half of the schedule. And he brought up the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, the Chiefs ultimately lost to the Cincinnati Bengals in the AFC Championship game, but you really could have got them in a really good spot. You know, I think at one point in time they were – maybe inched into plus territory to win the AFC West. So you got Rams, Titans, Dolphins, Ravens, three of those four, three of those first four games on the road. They'll be a massive favorite at home against the Steelers. They'll be a dog uh, against the Chiefs. Then they get the Packers. So seven weeks into the season, you know, are they four and three? Are they, you know, five and two, maybe not so much because you look at that back half of the schedule that's where the division opponents really start to come in. That's where you think, in theory, they can start to pick up some of those wins. Now, you still have the Bengals back there and, and the Browns with likely Deshaun Watson. But is there a spot in the season where you can maybe buy low in the futures market on the Buffalo Bills based off of the start of that schedule? You've got some challenging early road games. You've got a game against the Chiefs. You've got a you know, Sunday night game at home against the Packers where they'll be a favorite. But is there an opportunity, do you see, maybe like the Chiefs last year, to buy low on this Buffalo Bills team? Yeah, I think Relatively like, speaking, right. because you're never going to get anything too crazy. But, you know, for the Bills with the expectations that they have, could you get them at, you know, four or five to one to, to win the AFC this year if they get off to a slower start? Well, I mean, look, that game or that week one game is very losable for them when they go on the road and take on the Rams. I mean, long I know it's a long trip. It's early in the year, but you no, know, I mean, the Rams are still a very good team. Tennessee, I, I do expect Tennessee to take a step back. So I, I think that's probably a game that they win. But that three out of four road stretch with Miami, Baltimore, Pittsburgh, and Kansas City, 
So Pittsburgh looks like it could be a complete and utter flat spot for them Mm -hmm. coming off of the game against Miami and then a physical game against Baltimore. You know, they're obviously going to put a little bit more into that division game early on against Miami, kind of a show them who's boss type of game, as as Wes Reynolds like to say. And then they go play that physical Baltimore team. I could see a scenario in which they're, you know, two and two through four weeks don't look particularly good, maybe struggle with Pittsburgh, possibly lose to Kansas City going into their bye week. They're three and three. And, and what if somebody else in the AFC or what if somebody in the AFC East gets off to a good start? What if the Patriots are five and one or four and two or something like that? And all of a sudden, Buffalo's kind of looking up at somebody in that division. Maybe that's kind of a spot where you could buy a little bit low on them. But again, you think about preseason exposure with a team with so many expectations, you know, a lot of potential hardware for this team. I think it would probably take them being four and four, four and five, something like that going into the middle part of the year to really find a good buy low point. Yeah, and I I just remember last year, I think it was week eight or nine here in Vegas, the Chiefs came to town. I want to say they were three and four. They were laying a, I want to say they were laying two or three and people were were piling in on the Raiders and that was was the buy low spot on the Chiefs and they went out and absolutely smashed the Raiders. Mm -hmm. Is there going to be a spot for the Bills this year? It's possible. Uh, so we'll see where you know where that is. You know that that Chiefs game is going to be a hell of a battle. You know with revenge on the mind and and all of that October sixteenth. But you know one last thing on the schedule that you know that I pointed out. The net rest advantage for them is is pretty staggering. Plus twelve to keep in mind. So they get the seven for the bye. There's two different spots in the in the schedule where they're plus three against their opponent, and they have another plus one, and uh, they're bye week they they never face a opponent coming off a bye so uh interesting uh, note just to keep in mind there while the team that they play off their bye the green bay packers actually have the worst net rest advantage at minus 12 heading into this year individual awards adam josh allen to win mvp he's the favorite at seven to one offensive player of the year is kind of really turned into a non-quarterback award he's at 18 to one stefan diggs to win that award 40 to one Von Miller, 28 to 1. I'll tell you what, James Cook to win Offensive Rookie of the Year. Sal Capaccio completely turned me off on this bet today. He said, no, he's going to be out there as a slot receiver. He'll probably, you know, be an interesting PPR type of guy in the fantasy realm, but I don't know if I go there. You know, Sean McDermott to win Coach of the Year, 18 to 1. Kyir Elam to win Defensive Rookie of the Year at 20 to 1. In the in the awards market, Adam, is there anything that intrigues you? I guess for me, if if I had to play one, you know, maybe Stefan Diggs, offensive player of the year at forty to one. I could see him having a a monster year. Uh, you know, and Cooper Cup won that award last year, and in a, in you know, defensive rookie of the year. There's a couple big name edge rushers that are certainly going to get a lot of the money, but Elam's going to be a likely day one starter there for the Buffalo Bills. You know, could he get a couple picks, take a couple to the house, and and then he's looking in uh, in a good spot. Yeah, I think Offensive Rookie of the Year, you're kind of looking at Jalen Tolbert now in light of what happened to James Washington yeah. down with Dallas today, being out for six to ten weeks. But I'll say that I don't think that the Diggs thing is a bad gamble for for Offensive Player of the Year because they have 112 targets from Cole Beasley to figure out this season. And maybe they do incorporate the backs or cook more or something like that. But, I mean, I don't know how many more targets you can throw Diggs his way after having 164 last year. Right. But there are some to go around now. And if you're not a big believer in Gabriel Davis or, you know, you don't really think that they're going to use the tight ends more brought than they in did Crowder. last year. Yeah. I mean, he, yeah, he's not Cole Beasley, but he brought right. in Crowder. 
Yeah, I don't know. I just I feel like Diggs is going to have to be the go-to guy here. And at 40 to 1, that makes it pretty exciting, especially if, as I said, Josh Allen has to throw more. If they're trailing more, Diggs can put up more numbers. All right, there you have it on the Buffalo Bills. Last note on Buffalo Bills. This is kind of their year. Allen's extension kicks in next year. So this is one of the kind of push all the chips in type of year for the Buffalo Bills. Mike Sando, get his thoughts on the Deshaun Watson news coming up next right here on VEASAN. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is the Nightcap on VSN, the sports betting network. It is the nightcap here on VSIN alongside Adam Burke, who's staying busy on the live blog for the MLB trade deadline, which is tomorrow at 6 p.m. Eastern. I am Tim Murray. Well, we normally bring in our next ghost, and I, I don't next guest. I don't feel so bad bringing him on because he's you know up in Seattle. But right now it's 11:45 Eastern, and he's sitting in his hotel room. Yeah, just outside of uh, Buffalo, New York. It's Mike Sando from The Athletic. Mike, we appreciate it. And coincidentally, you are in the uh, the Rochester area to check on the Bills. Now, you haven't gone to camp just yet, uh, but we are talking Bills tonight, so we'll, we'll hit on it. And, and I want to start, Mike, with with your tears uh, column, which is always a must-read. And you, you know, after talking to executives and, and scouts and coaches around the league, Josh Allen came in at, at number four, but the biggest question, and maybe you know, if you had to nitpick, was, all right, what is Josh Allen going to be like without Brian Dable, who has been his OC, his play caller his entire career, and now he's the head coach of the New York Giants. Uh, was that the biggest concern, I guess, you, ha- uh, you heard from around the league about Josh Allen entering 2022? I think so, and then also he's he has had some inconsistencies, uh, not just you know early in his career, but even last year some ups and downs. I think he finished on such a high note that you know it left a great impression for everybody and it sort of validated the hope that you had for him with all of his talent. But he, you know, there's some inconsistency with him. I think the Dayball component of it is interesting, not just for losing Dayball, but uh, you know you have a defensive-minded head coach there and. Now you go from having you know a strong established coordinator, and remember they 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 butted heads a little bit. You could kind of sense that Dave all wanted to, to pass the ball more, and and uh, you know McDermott wanted to run it more. And I think 
they're going to trend a little bit more towards um, the run probably, which actually could take a little bit of pressure off of Josh Allen if they do it well enough. But, uh, um, you know, I think the vitals on Josh Allen are all good, uh, and you would expect him to have another good year. But, you know, I don't think it's as automatic as it might be in the future, right? I mean, some of these guys like Rodgers or Mahomes, you know they're going to do it every year. I think with Allen, we think he will, but you're just a little bit less sure. You can follow Mike on Twitter at Sando NFL and a link to all of his uh, his work there for the Athletic. Well, let's uh, let's circle back to the biggest story of really this off season, and the punishment was uh, put out today, but it could be more, uh, and that's Deshaun Watson. So right now, it's sitting at six games. Mike, from from where you sit. You know, and from what you who you've talked to today, obviously the the backlash today was not great uh, with it just being six games when you compared it to other uh, suspensions that have been handed down by the league. Uh, do you anticipate Roger Goodell and the NFL to try to get more games tacked on to the Deshaun Watson six game suspension that was uh, recommended by Judge Robinson today? I would think that they would, and, and to try to do it, shoot, they can appeal to themselves and make it whatever they want. Right. Uh, I would think that they would. Uh, I think it's collectively bargained that they can. They definitely wanted it to be, you know, longer than it is. I think everyone knew they want they were angling towards maybe a whole year, so maybe there's a compromise. Maybe they don't come down and do exactly what they would have done in a vacuum, but you know, take into account what the judge came up with and just increase it a little more. Would seem to to be a you know, somewhat of a, a medium and middle ground. Now, it's funny you said, what are people saying around the league? I had GMs asking me what I think is going to happen because they haven't heard. You know what I mean? Yeah. Everyone was surprised. Everyone was sort of, I think, probably hoping it was more. And some of that could just be selfish, right? People want uh, one of the good quarterbacks in the league not to be playing for a different <laughs> team. But I think there's also a feeling that, you know, six games, you know, for that. Um, but obviously, they didn't submit all of the cases. It was just a handful of them. And, and uh, you know, so maybe the lighter sentence or lighter, lighter punishment reflects that as opposed to what we've all sort of been digesting, which is the broader scope with all the additional accusations and just the general feel of uneasiness. And, and you know, it just looks like there's a real pattern here that's problematic and should be addressed with more than six games. So. Um, I would think the league could just up it some, you know. Mike, sticking with that AFC North theme, you know, we've kind of talked about this division for a variety of different reasons here tonight. Obviously, the, the Watson thing being chief among them. But it seems like there's some difference of opinion about the Cincinnati Bengals. You know, they went out and addressed the offensive line, which we all know that they had to do. But there are some people that believe the Bengals could take a step back. There are others that think that, you know, with better protection, Joe Burrow can take it to another level. What's your pulse on Cincinnati and specifically Burrow for the upcoming season? I don't think their line is going to be worse, but I think the the idea that they addressed it, you know, and it's going to be way better is, uh, yeah, I don't think that's a guarantee either. So, you know, they, 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 they addressed the line, but it doesn't mean it's totally fixed. So, you know, maybe it's just marginally better. Um, I do love Burrow. I mean, I think he's great. I love how he plays a little bit of, a little bit of concern still, I think longer term durability wise because he is so fearless and stands in there and isn't necessarily the biggest guy. Um, so that would be the only concern on him, but otherwise, I mean, I think it's full speed ahead. He's got great weaponry. Um, you know, uh, every, the defense was good last year. You know, we'll see if it's as good, but 
Um, I don't think they're going to go to the Super Bowl, but I think they can certainly be a, a team that vies for the playoffs. We're talking once again to Mike Sando, senior NFL writer for The Athletic at Sando NFL. Uh, he's uh, out and about and uh, going to check out the Bills camp tomorrow. Uh, not great news out of Cowboys camp today is James Washington, who they went out and signed this offseason, expected to be on the sidelines for six to ten weeks with that foot injury. Uh, that's in addition, obviously, to Michael Gallup currently being on the pup list. He'll miss a good chunk of the season coming off the torn ACL. Amari Cooper leaves via, you know, uh, goes to Cleveland. So when you look at this Dallas team, it's interesting, Mike, because they won the division last year, went 12-5. and five. They are the betting favorite to win the division again, but not a lot of people, at least in the, the betting circles, believe in this Dallas Cowboys team. They think they're going to go under their win total of 10.5. What do you make of yeah. this this Cowboys team heading into 2022? I kind of feel that way, too. You know, I would think that Dak Prescott will be, uh, you know, a little bit healthier than he was last year. Uh, obviously, he was coming back from the injuries, so he may be a little bit sharper over the course of the season and, you know, probably a little bit more nimble and just ready to go. But I do agree that, you know, what's around him, certainly the receiver position has peaked and uh, uh, you wonder, you know, they'll be competitive. They could win that division, but it wouldn't surprise me if it was really close or, or they got, you know, kind of edged at the wire uh, by a Philadelphia or, you know, we'll see what happens with Washington and Carson Wentz and, how he does over the course of the season, but I just don't feel like the Cowboys are really that formidable to make a big push, which they've had trouble doing anyway. I mean, the playoffs when, even when they've maybe been looked better on paper than they do now. Mike, we got a couple minutes left here. Speaking of that NFC East uh, in your quarterback tiers article, which people can check out over at the You actually have Carson Wentz and Jalen hurts tied for 20th, which would maybe surprise some people, what do you think about those two teams, those two quarterbacks? Do you, do you feel like the yeah. Eagles are kind of more of a of a buy team in that division, or do you feel like maybe the Commanders can be a surprise? Yeah. Well, it's funny, you know, the fifty coaches and evaluators that voted in that. I, they, I think, they see Wentz going south and Hertz going north, and they're sort of crossing right a couple <laughs> ships passing in the night here, uh, headed in different directions. So, um, you know, I think Philadelphia is kind of a team that's going to be stuck in the middle a little bit. You know, I, I, you like Jalen Hurts to a point, but I don't feel like with that offense necessarily that he's going to take a huge jump and get him over the top. They could be kind of what they were last year. You know, a pretty good team that might make the playoffs, and then, you know, you're just questioning hmm, how much further can they go. Uh, and as far as uh, – was Washington the other team you asked about? Yeah. Yeah. Washington, I think that – Carson Wentz has probably gotten a little bit of a bad rap this offseason. I mean, it's been a little exaggerated because of Jim Irsay just kind of going for the kill. Look, I, I'm not a huge Wentz fan, and I don't think he's going to be their long-term quarterback, but I think he was at least decent last year. Uh, and so if he's that for them, I mean, that could be a little bit better than what they've had. So they could be kind of in that middle ground, too, where they're not really a serious contender, but they could be right around the 500 mark too, just sort of stuck. Yeah. It, yeah. I mean, it is, I, I'm with you, Mike. I'm not a big Carson Wentz believer either, but he's a upgrade over Taylor Heineke that there's almost no, yeah. uh, no denying that. 
Uh, Mike, we always uh, we always appreciate the time. I know you're just uh, popping in your hotel room, so we appreciate uh, the insight, and uh, we will talk to you soon. I appreciate you reminding me where I was. You know, when you go to all these camps, I wasn't sure. So that gets me set for tomorrow. <laughs> there he is, Mike Sando, who will be at Bill's camp. Just to remind him, he will be at Bill's camp uh, tomorrow at Sando NFL. That's Adam Burke. I'm Tim Murray. We talk some college football with Mo Pearson in studio next, right here on the Nightcap. At Bed365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare.